start it, and we'll continue it uh, in September, I think, actually, but uh, that'll be fine. Uh, we're, it's really, really great to uh, study these things together. I, I want you to look at chapter 3 here a minute. This is another wisdom lesson. It starts, my son. But I'd like for you to notice, this is not a huge deal, but I'd like for you to notice the structure of this chapter. Look at, my son, do not forget, verse 1. Then look at 11, my son, do not reject. And then look at 21, my son, let them not. So, 1, 11, and 21 have my son with essentially a do not. Let me show you something else. That divides this chapter into three sections. Um, How many times in 1 through 10... Do you see the name Lord in all caps? The Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord in 1 through 10. 3. How many times do you see it in 11 through 20? 3. How many times do you see it in 21 to the end of the chapter? Well, I guess 3. 3. Everybody see those? You need some help. If you look real close, you'll see three each time. I think these are the sections that he intends for us to study this in. So, let's start with the first section. Would somebody read verses 1 to 10? My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and, re- and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your hand and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. It's so important that we take these wisdom teachings and put them into our very core. Uh, because this is this is something that uh, is not just better behavior. It's not just externally conforming to the requirements. This is a matter we've got to have it in, inside of us. We've got to really let God's word, you know, be in our heart. We've got to always keep it in our mind. We've got to live it. And what will this do for us in verse 2? It was a long life. Yeah. It's a long life a good thing. That's how you look at life. Let me rephrase that. From a this world perspective, is a long life a good thing? Yeah, Depends on what you do with it. Exactly. A long life is a good thing if you're with the Lord and you have peace and blessing from Him. Is a long life in prison a good thing? Is a long life of misery and suffering and anguish a good thing? There are people who wish they had a shorter life. 
You know, it's a long life of misery. When we're with the Lord, you know, we have the peace that makes this long life a blessing. So if we will really take God's teachings into our heart and not forget them, then we'll have a long life with peace. All other things being equal. Obviously, he's not saying that every wise person lives forever. These are proverbs, these are generalities. But in general, following God's wisdom will help you live a long time and have a lot more peaceful life. Comments and questions on verses 1 and 2. Look at 3 and 4. He says, don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, you know, you understand kindness. What would truth involve? Honesty. What else? Integrity. Keeping your word. Not being a hypocrite. Those are some of the ideas. You've got to put kindness and truth and bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. What's he saying when he says to bind them around your neck? Yeah, always have them near you, let them guide you and direct you. What does he mean to have them, write them in the tablet of your heart? Keep them real close to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. They need to sink inside of you and penetrate deeply into your character, in the way you think, and the way you feel, and how you live. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. If these kind of principles will help God be happy with you, and in many cases will help men be happy with you. Would you rather be around a kind, truthful person or a mean, dishonest person? A kind, truthful person is better. Can you remember anybody else that uh, found favor with both God and man? Who? Jesus in Luke 2.52. Who else does it say that about? Samuel, exactly, 1 Samuel 2. Um, so those are blessings. Comments and questions on 3 and 4. If we're familiar with some part of Proverbs, this may be the part we're familiar with. We've thought about these a little bit more, which is good. Look at 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. You know, really commit yourself, and not just part of you, not just kind of, well, I'll sort of serve God, or I'll sort of, you know, entrust myself to Him. Let yourself go and trust in the Lord with all your your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. What happens when what I want and think contradicts what God wants? What do I do then? See, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding. Not doing things your own way. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You know, put Him at the center of the decisions you make about everything. Are there some parts of our life we've kind of exempted from God's control? You know, I do what he wants me to in this area, in this area, in this area. But now over here in this area, I kind of do my own thing. Kind of do it the way I want. 
How does that work? Exactly right. It's not submission to God at all if some parts of me I hold out on the Lord and I don't really follow Him in those areas. You know, this is not, you know, to be part-time godliness. It's every area of my life that needs to be directed by God. What would happen if you did this? What would happen if you were going a place you'd never been before? And so you know, you knew you needed to follow your, I don't know, how many of you have in your family a GPS? You know what they are? Or a mapping program. You, what do you do? Do you, more, do you go on? I don't know. You probably don't do anything. But let's say your GPS. What happens if you, you're going somewhere you don't know where you're going at all? So you turn on GPS, you program it. And you go about halfway there following the GPS, and then you turn it off. That doesn't work very well, is it? Well, I followed the GPS halfway. You ever done that with the Lord's word? About halfway you followed him, then the rest of the way you did whatever you thought was right, whatever you wanted. Well, yeah, I followed him halfway, Josh. And like how we do that, there's people that we are around and we're not around them all the time. But thank God he is with us every moment of our life. And we do all these things that we wouldn't do around all of these Christians that we are around. But whenever we're around our public school friends or something. Anywhere out in the public you'll act like a maniac and you're around Christians and you try your hardest to be just like them so that you don't so that you don't stand out and oh there's the bad key. So we become two people. We've got our person we are in some circles, our person we are around God's people. That doesn't work at all. That's not acknowledging Him in all our paths. And we become a hypocrite, and we become all confused. Yes. So we've really got to, to, to acknowledge Him in, in every part of our life. And then He'll make straight our paths straight. Then he'll take us where he wants us to go and where we want to go, but only if we give all of our life to him. Not if we just give the part of our life where we're around Christians to him. Comments and thoughts on that? Uh, uh, This image of of trusting and putting your faith and reliance in God and not in yourself, and he'll he'll see that your paths are smooth. It kind of reminds me, now, being in, in physical therapy, I work with a lot of people who use canes or crutches or walkers and things like that. And if you've got a good walker and you know how to use it, it's a very stable tool. And it'll help somebody who has balance problems. But if there's a, if there's a fault in the walker or if a person isn't educated in how to use it and how to support themselves and how to use it in a way that they can rely on it for support, walkers are the number one cause of falls. <laughs> Well, and so to me, it kind of brings brings that image of you know, if I try to trust in myself and support on my on my own understanding, 
I'm going to end up falling and hurting myself. If, if I trust in something that's sturdy, and, and I know how to apply God's knowledge, then I can I can support support myself and, and use that and, and rely on it. A good good thought. Yeah, helpful. Patrick. You know, just looking at this, how much credit, how much honor and glory does this give to God? I mean, he he is worthy, he is strong enough, he is wise enough to allow us to fully trust him. We don't have to worry about making wrong decisions. We don't have to worry about falling. We don't have to worry about hurting ourselves because we're following God. How great is our God when we can trust in Him? Isn't it a great thing to have a really accurate GPS? We get where we're trying to go. We don't have to worry, oh, I'm going to get off track and I'm not going to know what to do. What a blessing to have the Lord to guide us. Josh. And also another example is uh, like if you don't know how to swim as well as as some people do and you need a life jacket and you go out into the water and that life jacket supports you and that's how the Bible is and God is through the Bible and it messages to you and then you can even be a life jacket to other people to help them throughout their lives. It's protection. You know, it keeps us from drowning. If we didn't have the Lord's ways and the Lord's word, our telling what might happen to us wouldn't be pretty. It's not a blind trust, but it's a confidence that living for God is the most reasonable thing to do. God has shown himself to be trustworthy. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to do whatever, because it, it, it really is reasonable that we do this. Yeah. We know we need the Lord to direct our paths. What has happened in your life when you haven't listened to God? Has it turned out wonderfully? (laughs) You know, we've got some experience with that, most of us. Uh, That hasn't been a pretty sight. You know, and what has happened when you've turned to God and trusted in Him? Sometimes it's been difficult, but it's always been better. You know, a lot better. Other thoughts? Think about verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That kind of connects up with what we've been saying. You know, your pride, and you're thinking that I'm wise, and I can figure things out on my own. Well, that's bad. You know, it's like thinking I don't need my GPS. I can get there. I'll figure it out. You ever, you know, several of you don't drive, but have you ever tried to do that? How does it work? When I do that, we usually get lost. <laughs> you know, so don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, don't 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 think and, and, and feel like, well, I know what I'm doing. Just let me leave me alone. I can handle this. No, fear the Lord. You know, respect Him. Turn away from evil, Josh. And also back on the like the same subject of like if you're trying to swim and say you're just on the boat docking, trying to get your boat into the water, and you're and there's usually a ramp, but then there's a drop off, and if you fall off of that, and you're and you don't have that life jacket or something to support you with you, then you're done for. And that's how God is. If you do not have Him in your life and with you every moment of your life and thinking of Him, 
then it's just like that drop off and you are going to be lost. Yeah, it, it, we got to acknowledge and recognize that you know we don't have enough wisdom in our own selves to guide ourselves. We really, we really need to fear the Lord and listen to Him and look at what He gives us. Healing to our body, refreshment to our bones. You see the pattern of this whole section? You do this, and God will bless you this way. You do this, and God will bless you this way. This is the responsibilities and the blessings. And God will bless us. It will be a much better thing for us, even physical health here. Again, I wouldn't argue that this is an unlimited you know, 100% of the time, Proverbs aren't like that, we're going to tend to be a lot healthier and a lot more energetic when we're living for the Lord and turning away from me. Comments and questions? The verse 8. But I'm just going to mention, you know, thinking about uh, some of the rules and restrictions God gave the Israelites, you know, in the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus regarding some of the meals and things they were eating <coughs> How, you know, he said, you know, after, you know, three days, you need to burn it. You know, don't keep it, eat it and whatnot. And, and he told them what animals were clean and what animals were unclean and things like that. Like, they would have had no way of knowing, you know, that this could have given them salmonella or, you know, diseases and things they could have gotten or, you know, uh, what meat would have spoiled quicker and that sort of thing. And, you know, so really, you know, it's really healthy for them to do what God said instead of going about their own way and possibly getting seriously ill or you know contracting some type of leprosy or disease from an animal. So God always knows what's best. And then in nine, honor the Lord from your wealth. You know, instead of thinking of our money as being our money to squander on ourselves or to hoard up, we ought to use it for God. You ought to honor him with the money he's given us. And if we'll remember it's he that has given it to us, it will give us more motivation to use it for him. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. You know, God first. In every way. First, honor the Lord with what you have. And then your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. God will, will tend to bless you as you use what you have for Him. You know something that I think happens? I think we read a passage like this and in practical terms we think about you know, like adults, like adults married with children, you know, kind of class. Is there any responsibility that you as a, say, teenager have to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the money you get? Do you ever think about that? Or do you only think, hey, I'm making money and I'm going I'm to buy this. I'm going to pay that. I'm going to get this. You know, so often, teenage Christians tend to be very self-focused with what they get. You know, I don't know why that is, but it's like we sort of relegate these passages to the older world. They're the ones that have that responsibility. Why shouldn't a young person honor God with what they make and give Him the first fruits, the, the best part of what they have? It's just like we've got a blind spot there sometimes. At least that's been my impression. 
is that we would expect an adult Christian to be generous and to give what he had to the work of God, but we seem not to think about that when it comes to younger people. If we really want God to be with us and bless us and guide us, then we need to give the best of everything we have to God. It really shows our faith and trust in Him. Right. Um, since I don't know, since I you know, wasn't going to church and a Christian through middle school and high school and stuff, what are some ways that maybe teenagers who get an allowance from their parents or somehow they get money some way or another, um, whether cutting out people's yards, whatever it may be, if, if teenagers are getting money and stuff and they're Christians, how, how can... What are some ways that they can use their money to, to glorify God? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Good question. What are some things they can do to fulfill this, to honor the Lord from their wealth? <laughs> See what you say first. Sunday morning when we're giving. Yeah, that's one thing. Why wouldn't they have an equal share in giving? You know... What, what do you expect happens with, uh, with somebody my age? Should I be giving a part of what God has given me to works that the church has planned? Uh, if they're right and proper things, like Paul was talking to the Corinthians about the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. If the church I'm going to has, you know, purposes like that that are right, then why wouldn't all of us need to share as, as you know, the more I get, then the more I get. You know, so maybe, maybe for the summer I've got a job. Maybe I didn't have it during the school year. So I'm making more money. Well, I'd be able to do more in contributing on Sunday to, to the work of, of the Lord. Josh. Also, there's people that don't have Bibles, and if you can give them a Bible and just kind of study with them, and you can buy more Bibles to hand out to people and help them, and that could spread the word, and you can convert more people and evangelize. Okay, and, 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 and doing things to serve people, Cass. Maybe giving our money to maybe like good causes, maybe from maybe like, I don't know, like Brazil or something, maybe you can donate some more money to help the stuff, or maybe somebody like the Earth Register and have the Hats Money in other lands. Maybe you can donate some Bible Okay, good. Patrick? It's like, I, I know plenty of Christians, you know, who have gone overseas uh, in, in different places, you know, it's not free to do that, you know. And, uh, you know, I've seen teenagers, I've seen people my age just hand, hand a picture to older people like that who will do those kind of things. Sure. Think about other kinds of practical things. What if you, you know, what if you've got a job and you're making some money? Instead of thinking, okay, I've got $200 here. That means I can buy this, I can buy this, I can buy this, I can buy this, and I'll save this part for this. What if you took a part of that at least, and you said, you know, I want to use this to help some other people. And there's maybe a young friend at church that doesn't have a job, and maybe some of you guys are going out to, you know, get some food or something, and they don't want to go. And you know why they don't want to go. 
ain't got any money. They, they can't, they can't, you know. What if you were to say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll buy the food. You come go with me. You know, I've known some young people who paid for other kids like to go to a camp that they thought would be helpful to them. You know, things like that. Jacob. Um, you know, I think that one reason why we as, like, young Christians don't give, and this is an ex- it's a pretty wimpy excuse that I've used, and I think a lot of us use is that we don't make enough money, you know. Maybe when we make more, we'll be able to give. But if you don't give it now, you're not going to give it when you get older. Very practical thing. I suspect that is. I hadn't really thought about that, but I bet that's a part of it. It reminds me of what Jesus said after he told the story of that unrighteous steward. He said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Think about this. What if you hire somebody to work for you, but you've never seen their work? What kind of work are you going to start them out on? Simple work that if they mess it up, won't hurt too bad. You're not going to give them the really important project first until you see how they do with the little stuff. Why would God give us a lot of money until he sees how we do with a little bit of money? So I think that's probably a very accurate thing. I bet that is what a lot of times young people think. And God's testing us. It may be $5, but that's a test. Josh. And a lot of times we are greedy. We may have uh, have some money, but we just want to spend it on something that we want. Exactly. And also there's a, a kind of a, not a real story, but it's just kind of a little joke in there. Uh, this mo- mother gives her boy two coins and says, put one of them in the plate at church and then you can spend the other one on candy or whatever you want. And he drops one of his coins down the vent. And the plate comes around, and he keeps his coin, and his mother says, why didn't you put that in the plate? And he says, well, because I dropped my one that I was going to put in the plate. I dropped that one down the vent. Yeah, that's right. This this text teaches that when we trust God, there are benefits. And the same is true here. When we trust God with our money, there are benefits. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when, when we trust God in that, the blessing will come. Now, that's, that's hard to see. That's hard to understand. Well, it's counterintuitive. You know, it, what's the best way to have more money? Well, don't use it. Don't, don't give it away. Keep it. Well, what, what this passage teaches, what 2 Corinthians 8-9 teach, is that if you're generous with what you have, God will give you more to be generous with. Now that, that, those passages are perverted in our day to teach this that's not true. If, if you're generous with what you have, God will give you more for yourself. Now that's not what those passages teach. But if you're generous with what you have, God will give you more to be generous with. And that's what you want to do more than anything, Chris. You know, honoring God with your wealth doesn't have to be either. I mean, 
a lot of the young people don't have jobs, they don't necessarily have money, but they have a lot of wealth. They have a lot of other things. How, and like you've been talking with, how, how do you handle the little bit? Well, how do you handle what you have? How do you take care of what you have? Somebody's paying for it. You know, your parents or whatever, and you know, you get you get those things. Uh, you want the greatest and latest pair of Nike shoes, and you want the most the coolest cell phone and all those things. Have you ever considered how you handle those things? And have you ever considered maybe, you know, mom or dad, instead of buying me the $150 shoes, won't we get the cheaper ones? And you know, the boy down the street needs a pair too. Let's do that. Good point. Yeah. Even sharing things that we have. You know, it kind of depends on where we're at, how old we are, and things like that, what's relevant in that. But maybe, you know, there are others that you can share. Maybe you don't have money, but you have blessings that you can share. You know, you know how little kids are with their toys. How are they with them? This is mine! I want this! Well, big kids are the same way. (laughs) This is mine. I want this. And maybe we'd be well off with some kinds of things. Saying, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you take this? Or why don't you use this a while? Or whatever. Depending on what we're talking about and what the situation is. But our idea is... We honor the Lord by using the things he gives us for him in these kinds of ways. So that's really practical. Thoughts and comments for on all that, John? Someone wrote that in these first ten verses that uh, these teachings are charging the son to give up a self-centered fantasy for a God-centered reality. And I thought that was really good because... you. If I follow my own way, I think it's going to turn out, you know, the way I want it to. But if I trust in God, it will it will reap true benefits. Very good. Yeah. Other thoughts and comments on this? Did you say that again, John? He said that if we give up a self-centered fantasy for a God-centered reality in each of these, uh, if you want to see these as five main teachings here in these ten verses. Are there thoughts and comments? You know, uh, just a, an encouraging story. I think my encouraging mother, but I, I know, a, I think it was last year, we, we got a family uh, at church, and, and they were just, obviously not church related, but they were just doing a little Easter thing, whatever, you know, and, and, and getting eggs, and had uh, little plastic eggs, and one of them, these little, these girls, these sisters, they were like eight and ten, and, uh, and the younger one, I know, she found me, opened up, and there was a, there was a dollar in it, and we, but we, uh, uh, not from the church collection, but just um, out of our own pockets, we help out a, a church over in the Philippines, and and uh, and the first thing this girl thought of, she found a dollar, and she goes, I can give this to the, to the guy in Philippines, and so, like, she got a dollar, and she didn't think about getting a candy bar or anything, she thought about giving it to the... And that was the first thing she thought of. And I was like, she's eight, like, she's like eight years old. And that, that was encouraging to me to see that, you know. And I mean, just the focus on others, you know. The attitude we ought to have. Yeah. You know, what, in every area, what God blesses us, we want to use for him. All right, other thoughts or comments? You know, um, God has really blessed us with uh, some of the things that we do, like me playing in the marching band. And it's really encouraging to see other marching bands perform and actually see their warm-ups. 
uh, we were at Greenwood and we saw one band that was before us. They had these little like New Testament Bibles and they were reading a passage of scripture before they went and performed. And it's like that's one of the greatest things to see is that the entire band is praising God before they perform and even after they perform and while they're performing. And they prayed and then they got first place and everything. And it's just like God blessed them and they blessed us and they blessed everybody. Certainly trying to honor the Lord before all things. That's what we want to do. Because what we really care about is Him being glorified. Cass? And it seems like we have everything that we have is from God. And we're afraid to give Him back. I mean, $10. And we're so selfish with our money. And you know, if we look at how, much, how many people died across this year, I mean, we really need to ask over that to like, constantly just like, forget to put in the money or something on Sunday. But, you know, God has blessed us so much. We need to give that. Amen. Patrick? Um, looking at this from the perspective of a young person again, uh, you know, we convince ourselves, well, like what Jacob was saying, we don't have enough money to do this right now. We don't have enough wealth to help out. But really, we're in the best position to, you know, I'm, I'm a teenager. I don't have to pay some sort of mortgage payment. I don't have to, you know, pay rent. I don't have to pay all these bills. I just have to put gas in the car and pay my insurance bill, you know. I'm in the best position to help out. And we really need to remember that. We're, we're never going to be in a better position. And it really stinks when young people develop a self-indulgent pattern. John? I remember when Leanne and I were first married, and I was still in college. She was working at a, a copy print shop. We had more disposable income at that point in our lives than we've ever had since because as life goes on, it's easy to, to accumulate more and more commitments that you know can seemingly tie up your money. So I think what Patrick says is true. And early in life can be a time when you may have, you know, the least amount of commitments and the most disposable money to help. Very good point. All right, well, great. And on that point, we have to be older to use wisdom about what Yeah, definitely. All right, our time's uh, about up here. Really good to study this. Thank you for your participation in this and your, your concern for this. Very uh very helpful, uh, very encouraging to, uh, to be able to share these thoughts together.